Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Bitches on Comics, and I'm your host, Essie Flinor. And I'm Sarah Century. Thanks for listening. We have a question from ourselves called <laughs> What spooky movies and TV shows or whatever are you watching right now? To lead up into Halloween. Bum, bum, bum. Spooky scary. <laughs> I won't sing the whole song. TV shows that I am watching, I'm going to be binging some Winona Earp because Winona Earp is like good and creepy. And I really like the revenants and how they relate to Winona's legacy. Plus there's a new season coming at some point. So I got to be ready. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I'm way behind of like the current releases, but I love The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I think it is hysterical. I love Zelda and Hilda. They're so much cooler than... Don't sell them short. I love those 90s ones too, but... In the TV show? Yeah. I liked them in the TV show. I felt like they were very Americana in the Honey. TV show. Yeah, yeah. They're very like palatable. Right. Whereas... In Chilling Adventures, the adaptation, they're very different. They're scary. Yeah, they're scary. And they, like, deal with their conflict with each other, I think, in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. It gets really Cain and Abel. It really is. And Lilith, I just, oh, she's so sexy. I want her to step on my neck. I want her to do it. I want her to kill me, and I'll love it. I was, like, poking myself in the neck, but you guys can't see me, and I forget that sometimes. So I'm just in the background poking myself in the neck. I also am going to try and catch up on the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, Super creepy. I feel like it lost steam for me in the beginning, but someone told me about episode four, it picks back up. So I'm trying to like power through. Obviously, I'm gonna be finishing the Swamp Thing. I haven't finished it yet, but I thought the adaptation was super creepy, which is exactly what I want. Swamp creep. They keep hitting that chord that just goes whenever scary things are happening. It's so good for the it, soundtrack. It has, great, it has a great impact, yeah. Yeah. Where you're like, <laughs> and it's an actual swamp story that is scary, which we just don't see enough of because swamps are terrifying. So scary. Things are in that water, people. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's like living water. It's so weird. <laughs> so I'm really excited to finish that. And then I'll be rewatching all of the Bob's Burgers Halloween episodes because I love them. My favorite is season six, episode three, The Haunting. Have you seen it, Sarah? Mm-mm. You would love it because you love The Haunting. I, yeah, it it's on my list. I'm adorable, talk about it. hysterical, perfect. You would love it. And then Buffy season two, episode six is a Halloween episode where the outfits all possess them. Love those. Super fun. And then I cannot, every year, I absolutely must watch Communities season two, episode six, Epidemiology. Because if you don't know it, it's the first time the series sort of admits that like supernatural shit is real. Zombieism breaks out at a Halloween party at the college. It is hysterical. Top to bottom, funniest. It's also really scary because everyone's a zombie. Mm-hmm. And zombies are scary. And then there's only two movies I watch. You'll have a lot more movies, won't you, Sarah? Oh. Mine. <laughs> oh. One is Justice League Dark, which is an animated 
DC film on DC Universe, and it's like Constantine and Batman team up, and then Zatanna's part of the team, and then some other people. It's really funny. And then Hocus Pocus, which I've already watched once, and we'll watch probably three or four more times on Halloween. Friend of the podcast, Hannah Thornock, is also joining you in that yes. Hocus Pocus watching. She already it. was posting, well, it's time again, <laughs> and showing the credits of the movie. So, yeah, no, mine's longer. I have... <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with horror. We talked about this last week. It's like your seat. This is your high holy day. It really is. I started October this month, I think around September 9th or so. Seems right. I was not down with summer anymore, and I was very excited to move on to scary season. <laughs> My favorite. The only TV that I'm going to be watching this year, because I watch much less television than I watch really anything else. I watch movies very predominantly. I'm going to be watching, again, Haunting of Hill House, because that's The Haunting, which is my favorite franchise of horror. I love Shirley Jackson. If you want to read something scary, read a Shirley Jackson story. And ever since then, The Haunting has been so, so good. And I really enjoyed Haunting of Hill House, even though a lot of people who love the history behind the series weren't that into it. But I thought that it was really good because I live and die on what Theo does Mm. in The Haunting. And I've written articles about this. You can check them out. But there is just such a good... It's Kate Siegel as Theo. So she plays the psychic lesbian who is the greatest character pretty much in all fiction, if you ask me. I love that character. And she was really good in Haunting of Hill House. That whole season, though, was really good. There's problems with it. There's problems with all television that I've ever watched in my life. But (laughs) (laughs) but if you're going to watch a scary series, then that's probably the best one. It's terrifying. There's moments that even threw me off as somebody who's been with this franchise for a really long time and with horror for such a long time. I was still chilled by that series. So is I think it's really good. Is it a retelling of the same story? No. Or is it like, so they've done the haunted house. Theo's been through that whole shit. And now it's like after that? Well, what they do in this series instead, because in the original book, it's just four total strangers going right. to a house, right? right? And right. that's usually what we see in the adaptations of it. But in this version of it, we have a family who as kids were stuck in this house and they experienced all these terrible things. They went away. One of the sisters goes back. Oh, shit. And then she goes missing. So nobody knows where she's at anymore. They know that she died, but they don't know what exactly happened. And the whole series is them being like, we're not going back to the house ever. This house is the worst house ever. And then they go back to the house because they have to. And these are my characters like, I'm not going to do X, Y, Z. You're like, oh, I know what's happening next. I'll never go back there. (laughs) And then Theo, just as being the psychic, extremely sensitive character, is really great. Kate Siegel is the crush of all of our lives, but everybody else on that series is really good, too. It's an excellent series. Creepy, weird, gross, (laughs) all of the things that we love. Check, check, check. (laughs) I've been reading the comic series of Bart Simpson's Treehouse of Horrors. <laughs> I love Treehouse of Horrors. <laughs> so I'm probably just going to rewatch all of the cartoon versions of it because I haven't seen a lot of them since I was a little kid. That's where a lot of my original understanding of a lot of horror tropes came from. So I'm going to watch those again, I think, as a marathon on Halloween. That's a great idea. I feel like those were also my introduction to horror as a kid. Yeah. And when I look back at The Simpsons, they're pretty much the only thing I really care about watching. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I also (laughs) revisited the Chucky franchise. I was writing something about 
Jennifer Tilly and how great she is in that franchise. She's amazing. I had kind of forgotten how good those movies are. Bride of Chucky is incredible satire. It is biting and fantastic. Everybody has to watch it. I think Seed of Chucky got really goofy and they had a lot of meta commentary on Jennifer Tilly and the doll of Tiffany having interactions and things like that. And then Tiffany going into Jennifer Tilly's body and all of that. That stuff's all hilarious. And then Curse of Chucky was just terrifying. She just goes full out murder zone. And it's so good. All of those movies are so good. They're about to do a Chucky series on sci-fi. Y'all have to watch it because it's going to be the best. Have you seen the um the video of the dog in the Chucky costume? No. Oh my God. I'll find it for you later and show it to you. Dear listener, <laughs> go Google this. It is so funny and it looks so much like Chucky. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, Chucky's the scary doll trope, which I hate. I hate that trope, and it's been happening forever. But Chucky's kind of the one where it's a gay man who's been in control of the franchise ever since, like, the first movie, essentially. So, to me, that's perfect. They've done great. Other than the remake that just happened or whatever, it's all been the Mancini-verse, right? Don Mancini's the person who's done this entire thing. And that's excellent. That doesn't happen in horror. That's a completely queer-run horror. And I just find it so scary. And it's terrifying. And I think I saw it way too young. Chucky's shitty, right? Yeah, like Chucky he's a terrible sucks. person. You don't want to be around Chucky, and but you do kind of want to be around Tiffany. You do kind of want to be around the Jennifer Tilly characters. And so that kind of dichotomy, I think, is really good. And the that. scripts are just brilliant. I think that his satire is so, so good. What do you think of the leprechaun? You mean Jennifer Aniston's greatest role ever? Oh my god, I forgot that was Jennifer Aniston! <laughs> yes, that is the creme de la creme of Jennifer Aniston Do you think she forgot that was her? <laughs> Yeah. At this point. But her haircut didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jen. So, <laughs> like, no shade. But also, <laughs> I'm not as into them because I just, they don't do camp as well. The Chucky verse does camp really well and understands when to put the camp away and be mm. full out horror. Whereas I think Leprechaun, Leprechaun do that. never takes it seriously when the people yeah. are dying, never takes the character at all seriously. Leprechaun is annoying to me. There's something with me and anything that's leprechaun oriented i guess i haven't really found to be that scary because it's mostly a oh, so it's a bad, bad stereotypes yeah <laughs> oh no the stereotypes coming to get you it's like ah. <laughs> the only part i love of leprechaun is mm-hmm. when he's chasing them to kill them and they throw shoes at him and he has to stop and clean them <laughs> i do like the part where also he rips a bong with somebody and then kills them with the bong oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I did a rewatch because I was on Strong Female Characters for one episode, the podcast. <laughs> that was Jennifer's Body, which mm. obviously is just the best. If you want to hear more about that, you can listen to the episode of Strong Female Characters that I was on. Jennifer's Body was really just eviscerated by critics on its release. And now we're all kind of looking back on that and thinking that they're all a bunch of sexist douchebags. So. Oh, so so much has changed. Oh, I know. It's so different now. But even just reading those reviews back is disgusting. If you listen to the episode, you'll be able to hear some of those reviews. And they are... Have you... Okay, this is just tangentially related. But yes. have you read the Dora the Explorer review? Where the guy's like, I don't want to fuck her, so yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, it's... Ooh. <laughs> Thanks. We really need more male critics. That's the thing I'm taking away. Also, I watched a movie that was called The Long Hair of Death, 
which is a yellow movie. Actually, I don't, it's like pre-yellow, but it's an Italian movie. It has Barbara Steele in it. And oh. it's kind of one of those, her ancestor comes wow. back to today after she was burned at the stake to claim her victims. And it's really good. I liked that one. I had never seen it before. It just seemed like <laughs> long hair of death. Okay, I'm in. I love those titles. <laughs> European horror from the 50s to the 70s had the greatest titles ever, and I will watch any of those. The monster standing at the center of the ever-widening pool of red. (laughs) (laughs) It's always something like that. The titles are a poem. Yeah, always, always. Uh, And then there's actual ones, All the Colors of the Dark or something. That's like an actual title, right? So those are great all of the time. I watched Sisters of the Plague. That's an independent film. Scary has a lot to do with, you know, as you lose control of your body, essentially. So somebody who has mental illness, somebody who's dying, you know, all of those things. We lose control of our bodies as time goes on. Some of us have only marginal control of them to begin with. That's terrifying. I think that almost anybody would agree. And the way that they have commentary around it is interesting, I would say. Good movie. Scary seems like a possession film, kind of. How often do you, like, when you're watching a scary film, like, actually jump? Do you jump a lot? Hmm. Well, I fall asleep to podcasts that are horror stories and stuff like that. So I don't really jump that much. It's so weird. I'm such a weird person. That's the thing that people don't understand about me is how goddamned weird I am. Kate kind of knows a little bit. But I yeah. actually can't watch much horror because I have nightmares. Yeah. For like weeks, I will just have the same set of nightmares. Absolutely. So I like reading horror. For some reason, I have an easier time putting it away like after I've read it. I think it's scary. That's the thing. I never am detached from it. I don't think that that's what happens with me whenever I interact with horror. Do so you enjoy being scared? Uh, I enjoy... Mm, enjoy is like such a tenuous <laughs> word, right? You ingest it because bad things happen in the world. Yeah. And so you need to be able to deal with those bad things in a way that is removed from them, right? Totally. totally. It's like a million years ago, so fact check me all you want. But at one point, I got in my head, I think from a study, that... We watch horror films for the same reason we do amusement park rides. Mm-hmm. Because you get the adrenaline payoff that then you can sort of move on. It's in a controlled environment, right? Yeah. And the thing about horror is actually it's one of the things I had read that have been prescribed for people with high anxiety is to watch horror films. Yeah. Because then you get that payoff of your anxiety being like, you're right, you should be anxious. Here's why you should be anxious. Yes, you should be. You should be. Okay, now it's done. Mm-hmm. Now you can like let go. And and it has a moral. Mm-hmm. It has a easy way out. You get it wrapped into a box. It's very different than our regular old real life existential horror, <laughs> which is just terrifying. There's and no end to any of this and there's we just no have to go. End. There's no answer to it and there's no moral to it, right? So that's kind of what is so interesting, I think, about horror in and of itself. Always have I been a haunted child. Like, always, whenever I was young, I had a hard time. So I think horror was always something that really helps me to understand brutality, I guess, and just to understand chaos and things that are really hard to reconcile with. That's always how I've described why I like hyper-violent things. Like, why do I like Deadpool? Yeah. I believe in nonviolence. Yeah. And I love Deadpool. Yeah, I super don't want to get shot by Deadpool. (laughs) Right? Like, yeah, I don't want to be in a universe in which Deadpool is like a quote-unquote good guy. Yeah. But I think for me, it's always been like seeing violence played out lets 
me contextualize maybe some of the violence I've lived through and, mm-hmm. and experience on a regular basis. I don't know. I think so. And that's, I mean, you know, that's all, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we the way we are? But I guess not that much. I don't get scared. But I did get scared by Satan's Triangle, which was a movie that was made for television in the 70s. And it stars Kim Novak. I'm getting to the end of my list, but I definitely want to talk about Satan's Triangle because that movie is terrifying. You can watch it on YouTube. It's about the Bermuda's Triangle, but it's back in the day whenever everybody actually thought that the Bermuda's Triangle was like eating people and stuff. Oh, I love so that. it's good. And just such a surrealist, bizarre, like a sex worker is like one of the main characters. She's not really villainized for it. They kind of want her to do better. Somebody trying to save her is as problematic as it sounds and it plays out on screen as being problematic and being the guy's downfall it's fascinating it's a really good movie it's only about an hour and 15 minutes long satan's triangle and then also on the satan trip i want to say satan's school for girls which is also a made for tv movie that is way better than it was ever given credit for from the 70s i think it's 1973 that it came out and it was about kate jackson is in it and they just kind of have this typical somebody gets sucked into a terrible cult situation and what are you gonna do a normal day it's just a day-to-day situation (laughs) but it's shot really well it's kind of sardonic it has a good sense of humor about it but it also gives you a wide array of responses to the situation so a lot of the girls are going through it right not just the main character so you get to see personality from the characters who are dying and you get to see why certain seemingly minor things are so important to talk about for instance whenever somebody's in a school scenario and you're using any kind of form of violence to set an example as far as in this situation they have rats that are running around in a maze and the guy is explicitly making them do things that are bad and uncomfortable for the rats and making the girls watch it to teach them a lesson and that is so minor right that's something that if you tried to pitch it as a horror film you would have a really hard time doing it but I think women know and I think queer people know and I think that the more enlightened men know that whenever stuff like that those weird subtle microaggressions that say this is what happens to you I view you as a rat yeah I will put you in this maze like I will better stay in line or you'll be exactly this that's exactly it and that's what's so scary about it so that movie is really good too I seriously just got like creep chills from that yeah That's what's creepy about it. And also they did a remake with Shannon Doherty in like 2001 or something. I didn't watch that one yet, but I'm going to. (laughs) I love it. So those are the horror movies that I've been watching. (laughs) So yeah, whether you want to go so scary you pee your pants or you want to go silly, we've got something for you to watch. Whether you want to watch a 20-minute TV show or a couple-hour film, we got your back. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea, 
Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. This week's comic of the week is Haunted Night Anthology. Collecting Halloween Special Number 1, Madness, Legends of the Dark Knight, and Ghosts, Legends of the Dark Knight. Written by Jeff Loeb, art by Tim Sale and Gregory White. I read this comic a really long time ago. I think I first found it after The Long Halloween had come out. That is the follow-up comic by the same creative team. They also did Dark Victory afterwards. I read both of those before I read this one, and then I kind of came around on it to think that this is maybe the best one because it's the briefest. It's three stories, and it has this kind of—it's more of a Halloween story, I think, than any— Yeah, way more so than—especially the long Halloween, which just starts on Halloween. Yes, and it goes through the whole year. But this is not that. This is just Halloween. Mm-hmm. Happy My, Halloween. Happy Halloween. My favorite was the one that's just called Number One <laughs> <laughs> because it's about Batman's early years and yes. it's about him versus Scarecrow. Yes. And in this context where Scarecrow is able to poison him and get him to think about so many aspects of his life, right? Like how he'd rather not be Batman sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's such a different way to defeat Batman, to defeat him with himself. Oh, yeah. I thought was really, really cool. And the colors are so nice in this one. Mm-hmm. I really, really like the art. Yeah, the art is great. Tim Sale has worked with him a lot of times. They're usually a really good creative team. You've seen it. You know, there was a few uh, Marvel series that they did. I think the first one I read was Gambit and Wolverine or something. And that was, I don't know how well it would age, but whenever I was 15, (laughs) I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) So yeah, I think that this was good. I really also liked the Scarecrow story the best, I think. It has all of the elements of a typical Batman story. Not only does it have sad brutal. Bruce as a child being like, sad baby Bruce. Mommy, Mommy, wear your pearls to the movie. Can't we make tonight a special night, Mommy? (laughs) (laughs) Happy Halloween. And And then it's like, and my dad always had to leave at the night, and I have to leave in the night, and my dad was a doctor, and I'm a Batman. Yes, we both leave at the night, and (laughs) the haunted night. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you know, it's all the tropes. You have 
the femme fatale, of course. There's the femme fatale story where he flashes. No, I guess it's happening in the now, but it seems like he's flashing back because she's referencing To Have and Have Not, which is obviously a movie from a very long time ago starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. So, which only Alfred gets. Like, neither me nor Bruce got that, but you got it oh, and Alfred course. got it. Professional lesbian. Like, I'm all about anything that has old timey. Do you think it. Alfred is technically a professional lesbian as well? Might as well be. Might as well be. Girl, welcome to the team. <laughs> I so love the idea of Alfred as a lesbian. <laughs> I mean, what do you think are the qualities he has that qualify him? Well, the mustache, <laughs> for starters. <laughs> also, his desire to wear bow ties, mm-hmm. I guess. Bow ties, very, very little. <laughs> his need to be a caregiver, I think. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Also, like his... You know, he's always holier than thou, and he's right about it. <laughs> Mildly disapproving of Bruce being out late at night. <laughs> <laughs> These are all things that I can relate to. <laughs> so we love you, Alfred. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the team. Welcome and to Sarah's team. <laughs> Glad she to have you. making jerseys. You'll get one in the mail. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I did not love the Mad Hatter one. The Mad Hatter, it's good from the Barbara Gordon, Jim Gordon having a relationship because I always love reading about those two and their interactions and him being kind of a bad dad. But then oh, being, he's garbage. Then being, oh, no, I'm a bad dad and realizing yeah. it and being there for her in a really important way. Th- that story plays out a few different times. And I think that his overprotectiveness of her is the thing that they're trying to emphasize, right? But, of course, if you ever were in... In that situation, if somebody was ever condescending to you based on your gender, essentially, which is what he's kind of doing, then it's hard to see them as being the overprotective dad and you kind of just see them as a jerk, which is what she does. Totally. And then it's like, how much does it suck that he's right? Yeah, kind of. You're like, God damn it. Like You're you right. Do. You can't be a young woman in the world without getting kidnapped. Yeah. And I guess I, we should expect that for people. They were definitely kind of coding Mad Hatter as being a different kind of villain than what we've seen so far. So that was strange and makes it questionable going forward what exactly level of criminality he is involved for sure, in for because sure. he's kidnapping children in this one. Yeah. And making them play tea party, which I. And dress up. I find all of that. Alone in an empty warehouse. Yeah, that's all stuff that, to me, I was not super prepared for doing a reread of this. And was it was pretty off-putting. But at the same time, I did like the story based on the Barbara Gordon, Jim Gordon interactions. And then... Well, she's she's pretty, like, spunky in it, which I like. Yeah. You know, she's mouthy. I love Mm -hmm. love a mouthy teen girl. Absolutely. Yeah, she was good. I, I liked this. I think that whenever I first read this, I was very starved for Batgirl content. <laughs> and Barbara Gordon was Oracle in the time, but it was before she had kind of gotten her renaissance and mm-hmm. people were actually really incorporating her as much as they did later with like, you know, Birds of Prey and all of that stuff. Yeah. What was the third one was? The Ghost. This is the one that's like a Christmas carol, but Halloween. That's right. So yeah, we have a Christmas carol. I really liked that one too. I did too. I thought it was really cute. Yeah. Because, you know, it's every time they do this, you're, yep, this is going to be the formula. I get it, you know. Strike one. Strike two. Home run. (laughs) Now he's going to be a better person. Nobody. He was already Batman. Yeah. Nobody ever takes it in a different direction. Nobody does anything different with it. It's always just that character having his 
his realization that he's wasting his life in some way. And like his ghosts are first poison ivy. Poison ivy. A really beautiful illustration of her. I really like what they did there. Yeah. She shows up in Dark Victory as well and is just as beautiful. I like the fact too that she's very explicit in that it's not actually her. Right. Because I think that if it was actually her, I would think that she was badly characterized. But Right. It doesn't read like poison ivy at all. But it's beautiful. Yeah. And also this is how Batman views poison ivy for sure Ooh. right so that made sense to me I thought it was good and this so do you think that Christmas Carol the spirits are always figments of imagination I think they are right because like it's your always somebody I mean I it's ambiguous or it could be the Shirley Jackson where she's very insistent that it's actually just ghosts <laughs> actually it's some ghosts people were talking about the haunting and being all about hey is this actually an allegory for people and mental illness and all of this and she's like no. that's such a good idea but it's just ghosts what about that idea <laughs> so i think that what it's, if it was ghosts what if it was ghosts the shirley jackson story <laughs> <laughs> and i love the fact too that's i mean this is definitely a seg but like that whole story of her being like yeah i was watching these people dismissing ghosts on television and was like you fools <laughs> you fools i wonder if bruce thinks it was a dream because he's aggressive. He's mad. He, Why did you break into my home? How dare you drag my father's name? Like yeah, all yeah, of yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. Oh, right, because the first ghost is his dad. Right. Oh, that's right. The second ghost is Poison Ivy. That's right. That's right. Him just futilely running to the window and screaming out, it to me was, you're just such like a little boy all the time. You've always been just a little kid. And it's really sad because you see him unable to reconcile or control the situation and he really starts losing let me speak to the manager kind of situation and totally there's no manager <laughs> well it makes sense right he's a grown adult who plays dress up like, mm -hmm. he is arrested you know his development yeah. he hasn't ever gotten over his parents death right i don't mean to be flip and say that'd be easy to do no. But people do. People have lived through Bruce's life and not become Batman. Right. And his thing is always about control. So he loses control in the story immediately. And it's really interesting. Definitely worth picking up, I think. Yeah. There was a couple of elements that didn't age super good. Yeah. And then also, I know that Loeb is a total weirdo at conventions these days. And there's Great. all kinds of Perfect. strange stuff around that. So, Just what we want in the world. Yes. At your own discretion. Yeah. It's <laughs> Halloween. We got to salute the old Batsy. It's true. And it is one of the things that defined my idea of what Batman was. And reading it back, it aged pretty good. And it has some really, I think, iconic panels Yeah, that I found myself taking a lot of pictures because I was reading it on my phone, mm -hmm. more so than probably I would in a normal Batman comic that I read, mm -hmm. which I, I, I like Batman. I don't love Batman. I like Batman. Mm -hmm. But I find his rogues gallery much more interesting. But this was just so beautifully illustrated. Mm -hmm. And especially in the first, I felt like they were able to show his mental strain mm -hmm. in a way that I don't always get to see. Yeah, he's very conflicted with the Scarecrow and is in denial of it, which is really interesting to me. For sure. Watching him interact with Crane was interesting in a way that it isn't always. So that was nice. Yeah, the whole thing I think is good. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> If you have questions for Bitches on Comics, or if you're a comic creator and want to send us copies of your work, please email us at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. 
b.tchesoncomics at gmail.com. Gmail does not like the word bitch, so make sure you leave the I out, otherwise we won't get your email. Remember, there is no I in bitch. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a Patreon, www.patreon.com slash bitchesoncomics, where we have exclusive content. I'm Essie Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at essiefleenor.com. I'm Sarah Century, and you can learn more about me at www.sarahcentury.com. Music provided by Earth Control Pill, which you can find at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded and edited by Kate Warner. Learn more about Kate and her band, Churchfire, at churchfiremusic.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But Wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to Season 1, we are thrilled to announce the launch of Season 2. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make Season 2 even more memorable together.